Hello, and welcome to the Wednesday Word. My name is Ann Hardy, and I'm the Outreach Director for Desert Spring. It is my pleasure to be our podcast host for today. This is a roundtable podcast produced by Desert Spring United Methodist Church in Las Vegas, Nevada. Our goal is to discuss our weekly Wednesday devotional with our guests in hope of refreshing our spirits while learning more about the faith journeys of our guests. The devotionals we discuss are related to Sunday's sermon in some way. They could expand on the theme or have a point of view twist, but always will be related to Sunday's sermon. If you missed Sunday's sermon and you want to check that out, please go to Desert Springs' website at desertspringchurch.com. It is my pleasure to welcome today's guests. Today we're joined by Julie Beth White Church. Hi, thank you. And Jacob Buecher. Hi. Okay, so Julie Beth, can you give us a really quick background of, or not so quick if you're so inclined, of... Well, I um, am old. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, a very slow background. There you go, thank you. (laughs) Of uh, your history with Desert Spring Church. My history with Desert Spring Church has been about two months. I've been here. I just jumped right in. I started leading a group with... um, everybody always so that I could meet people I thought that'd be a great way to meet people and to get you know my feet wet in the church and I actually started my first group was before, I, before I'd even come here for a sermon <laughs> so so yeah it was it was a quick thing and I'm it's just I just feel like I fit right in and I love it I, I you know and it might sound strange but I love being a Methodist <laughs> I was raised as a Methodist I have a long history in my family with uh, that church this kind of church and I really love it mm-hmm. I love that it's um you know, it's a Bible reading church and a Bible following mm-hmm. church, and that's mm-hmm. very meaningful to me. Yeah, and I know your grandkids are coming to Sunday yes. school, right? Yes, and yeah. are enjoying that as well. Well, now here's the deal: my grandson, my first, old, younger grandson, loves coming to, to services, but I say the word school, and no, 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 happen. yeah, no, no school. So I have to go with him to, to prove that he doesn't have to do algebra. So. <laughs> <laughs> not yet, not yet. Not yeah, yet. maybe anyway, next year. Yeah, that could be that could be added on later, but not right now. So. All right now. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. So Jacob, hi, say hi and hi. Uh, give us a little bit of your background, please. I was not raised as a Methodist, actually. I was um, came here. This is the first church I've been to as a Methodist, which was 2011. I think my son was probably a year old. I um, grew up in the church, but it was a Lutheran ELCA church, um, which is, pr- there's a lot of similarities. Um in the ELCA side of things. So some of the things that we look at um, theologically is the same. Not all Lutheran churches are like that, but I, um, I love it. Um, I, I like the, the Methodist church, what it stands for, and this church in, in specifically. Right now I'm serving as the chair of the um, church council. And so, you know, that's, um, it's a whole different side of things. Um, but it's it's a great experience as well. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, and you do it well. And and Julie Beth, I'm so impressed that Aww. you just jumped in well, with the two feet. I really, uh, when I came to Desert Spring, I tiptoed in, and I didn't want to say hi to anybody. And I took my kids to to Sunday school, and I was like, "Can I stay here with them?" And (laughs) they said, "Of course, of course, yeah." And they were very welcoming. If they had said no, we probably would not have returned. So, um, 
Yeah. Yeah. I could see that happening here because everyone is just so loving and friendly. Thank you. Mm. Yeah, I think so too. Chris, why don't you say hi and give us a little of your history? Yeah, hi, I'm Chris Devereaux. I've been with the church uh, since about 2013 and um, work in the booth and uh, do the technology stuff. So, yeah. All right, so let's begin by reading today's devotional. Um, Let's start with some scripture. Our first scripture, I think, is actually our memory verse for this week. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And our next scripture is from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Amen. So Pastor David says that during my sermon last Sunday, I talked about eisegesis. Eisegesis is the practice of reading into scripture what we want it to say. In the sermon, I talked about how easy it is for Christians to carry some of the baggage of sin with us as we read the Bible. We can allow our sinfulness to color how we understand the Bible, and people do this all the time. We have other names for it, names like proof texting, but whatever we call it, we know it happens. People can make scripture say what they want it to say to justify what it is that I've already decided to believe. Looking back into church history, can you think of times Christians have allowed their own sinfulness to color their understanding of scripture? Can you think of times people made scripture say what they wanted it to say? Thinking about your own life and church experience, have you experienced people proof texting the Bible? Can you remember examples? How has the misuse of scripture impacted people's lives? So this is a lot to jump in with, Jacob, and I'm sure that you have very deep thoughts. <laughs> you know, now that you set expectations so high. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I expect. Uh, <laughs> I know, I know. Um, so, uh, yes. Um, I think the, the, first, the first question is, can I think of times? And the first, when I, when I first read this, the first thing that came to mind is proof texting to support slavery. Um, I'm reading a book called How Not to Read the Bible, just on coincidence, and, and they actually address this um, issue because it gets done all the time mm-hmm. as a justification of why Christianity is crazy. And they take parts of, um, you know, just completely out of context to say this is, this is what the Bible says. But when you put it into context, there's tons of reasons why things Mm-hmm. say what they say and it isn't what it appears um and and a big part of that is slavery um that they go into um for my own life in church i you know i i probably do it all the time as well um because you know certain actions thoughts um justifications for why i do or don't do something um, it, you know, you, you kind of wonder, well, am I, am I doing the Bible justice? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's, you know, it can be a difficult thing to kind of, um, know what, what, what is the, um, author really trying to communicate and what, what how should we behave? Mm-hmm. Um, 
so I think it's, it's as you said, it's, it's dense and um, requires a lot of prayer and um, help, I would mm-hmm. say, too. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Mm-hmm. So can you remember um, how has the use, misuse of Scripture impacted people's lives? I, that's a very interesting uh, question to the me. Misuse, yeah. But, yeah. yeah. And anything, Jacob, you can think of along those lines? Well, I mean, I think when you have people in authority of any kind using the Bible as justification for something, um, there's a danger of it. Especially when it's like, here is a single quote. Um, You know, it could be women shouldn't be allowed in ministry because there's, Paul says something. Um, That has profound impact to all kinds of, not not just women who can't be in ministry, but women in general, you know, they've, what message does that send? So I think the misuse of scripture um, has profound impact throughout history. Um, I, I, it's not, I'm not a historian, but I, I would be willing to bet you could find implications of conflicts all over throughout history um, and just the way people are treated, unfortunately. Uh, Julie Beth, just going point by point, Uh, Looking back into church history, can you think of times Christians have allowed their sinfulness to color their understanding of Scripture? Ooh, that's, yes. Um, Well, um, I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm Native American. I know I don't look traditional, but I have a a family history also on another side of my family. And, um, you know, we've been through through the generations, through the Indian schools and, um, you know, families torn apart and everything. And that was done. um, And I'm sorry, I don't have particular scriptures, but it was the idea was to, you know, Christianize. Mm-hmm. the uh, population of the of this country the indigenous population and uh, so it was you know it was considered that's how we have to do it and um you know it's interesting because it does make me angry <laughs> mm-hmm. sometimes when i think about that but then i know that that was wrong and that that it shouldn't have been done and it's not the way jesus does things the way a real christian does things so mm-hmm. but it took a lot a lot of reading a lot of understanding and my grandmother was a fervent christian and um Excuse me, you know how I cry so easily. It's okay, but you she, can cry. She, uh, she went through, you know, the school. She went through um, the Carlisle School in Pennsylvania. And um, thankfully, she was able to reconnect with her family and with um, had a very happy, very long marriage with my grandfather. So, you know, her life was good. But um, And she was able to forgive and to understand how wrong it was and that that's not how things should have been. But mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that that's you know, how things are going to be. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Right. So that's a big deal in, in, in me and in my family in general. Yeah. And I think you could twist scripture oh. to support Anything. misogyny and like you yes. were saying, Jacob, slavery and racism mm-hmm. and all of these horrible things that I think are just counter to basic Christian beliefs. Mm-hmm. Christian, uh, Chris, do you have a... a well, my first it? experience was really finding out that... Um, that you can only be a Catholic priest if you're a man. And so that really didn't sit well with me. Um, But I think that the 
question of our time is really what you know what we're going to talk about a little later uh, in the mm-hmm. in the podcast um, regarding same sex uh, same sex mm-hmm. uh, marriage mm-hmm. and uh, relationships. Yeah, yeah, yeah we yeah, will we'll get there. A biggie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sure is, um, and that just seems to be the latest struggle right, exactly. in a string of struggles. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, can you think of times people made scripture say what they wanted it to say? You know, I, to kind of come off of what you were saying, Chris, um, I went to a, a conference for work in San Francisco one summer. There's a conference that's held by a um, computer networking manufacturer every July, and it happened to be in San Francisco. So I, I went with a family because they were just going to do touristy stuff while I was doing the conference. And it was right in the middle of Gay Pride Parade, and they had streets closed down, and you had to go around. And just the protests of people... And the one that, the one that I remember most vividly was people holding specific scriptures mm-hmm. on signs mm-hmm. and saying, you know, you're going to burn in hell and all that kind of stuff. Mm. And it's not that that wasn't the first time I ever heard of that kind of thing, but it's a different thing to watch it happen. Mm. Yeah. And it was, you know, it's what was so mind bending about it is that when you come from a, a mindset of, Jesus's love and that's where you're how you see the world and then you see somebody quoting and acting completely the opposite mm-hmm. but using your scripture as justification for it it's kind of like well, that's mm-hmm. that's going to take me a little bit to, to digest you know? mm-hmm. yeah there's a cognitive dissonance with that yeah it's like this isn't what I understand it to be All right there this this happened in our neighborhood outside of our church. Uh, This was a few years ago. I was picking my kids up at the middle school that's right across the street, and there was a man who was uh, spouting anti-gay theory and and quoting scripture, Um, and the kids were angry but not getting um, violent or disrespectful in any way. But I just remember thinking... I hope people don't think he's putting right. think mm-hmm. that he's from this church yeah. and over there. That's right. Too close um, for comfort. Yeah, um, it was it was disappointing mm-hmm. to um, have that gentleman um, represent my faith. Um, it certainly, he does not, and um, does not represent my church. And I just I just wanted to. Which brings up a good point, too, because his direct involvement was probably not, um, you know, it was probably towards the school, right? But it also affects, so it affects the kids. It also affects you as a Christian from this church. So mm-hmm. it doesn't just affect the people who no, he's it's, maybe it's talking about. It's a spider about, web right? of, of hate, yeah. basically. It's both ways. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a tough thing, too, when you mentioned, in a sense, for people who don't know, or it could be easily confused that he is representing your church and your religion, and that isn't it at all. And that's, I mean, to put it mildly, frustrating and angering. But that's a global problem because um, that happens all the time, and you're like, no, that's that's not right. You're not characterizing what I believe properly. Um... So it's kind of, you know, how do you, it's, it's a, that's one thing we have to navigate, I think. Mm-hmm. 
and and with my own children who were brought up here in the church, I, I was able to say, that's not what mm-hmm. we believe. I think he's acting, you know, opposite of of the law of love, and how Jesus would, you know, carry himself in this world. And so my, I was able to have a conversation with kids, with my kids. But you know, there were a lot of kids that I couldn't yeah. <laughs> have that conversation right. with. And, right. and yeah. so you just kind of hope that they can, um, you know, go home and talk to their parents about it or uh, someone that they trust. So um, and I think I think we can twist scripture to support any viewpoint. And we can also twist it to justify our own actions, mm-hmm. um, our own behaviors. I think we can say, oh, you know, God wants me to be happy, so I get to shop till I drop, or I get to drink exactly. in excess because it makes me happy, or whatever mm-hmm. our behavior mm-hmm. is. Um, I think we can certainly uh, justify it by twisting Scripture. But, but I also wonder, I think Scripture is authoritative, um, I think it's it's the bottom line. Um, it's how I, I learn about my faith. And people are twisting it. So how do I know when it's untwisted? How, how mm-hmm. do I know when, and I think this is our, actually our next question, how do I know when what is being said is the truth? Because it's twisted so much, right. mm-hmm. and those people can justify that point of view. That um, I, you just well, for me, I have to I have to think about the law of love, mm-hmm. and if it's mm-hmm. contrary to the law of love, well, then that's I a good just, start. Yeah, that's where yeah. we start from. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of something that I have encountered through the years of people who do that, who who like to take a you know a line this long out of the Bible and live by it, and you know, and it's usually a you know, they do, use it from hate. I'm sorry to say it that way is that they don't have a teacher. They don't have a good uh, teacher that they go to, a mm-hmm. preacher or a mm-hmm. minister. They don't, they're not pastored usually. They're usually out on their own because you know they, they read the Bible, they get what they want out of it, and then use it that way. And it, that kind of thing can spread. And uh, you know, like a person standing outside a school yelling at kids, that kind of thing happens. And I would be willing to guess that that man did not have a church that he goes to, didn't have a fellowship. And so therefore doesn't really understand how to read the Bible. I mean, I, I didn't go to uh, seminary. You know, I, I've read the Bible a lot, but I haven't gone to seminary. I need someone to help me work mm-hmm. through it. Mm-hmm. And that's that's why we have a pastor. That's why we, mm-hmm. you know, come to Sunday sermons or listen to Sunday sermons. It's important. Yeah, and that's great, and I think it leads us to our next question. So let's, let's move on. Um, uh, pastor David says, when I began my seminary years, my very first class taught us exegesis. Exegesis is the name we give to reading the Bible without predetermined understandings in order to hear what it's really trying to say. We were taught tools to use that help unpack the meaning of scripture. While most people have not learned all the tools that help us exegete a verse or story of scripture, all of us can check ourselves to try to keep from falling into eisegesis or proof texting. What are some ways you can test your understanding of a Bible verse or passage? And I think, um, Julie Beth, that's what you were trying to touch on was um, um, the law of love, um, having a community, Mm -hmm. uh, a faith-based community. A sounding 
mm-hmm. chamber that will help yeah. you understand Jacob, things. any I'm, thoughts on that? I'm going to plug Julie Best's small group. Should we were talking <laughs> right before. Wednesdays but at 6 p.m. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so um, to put a, put a point on that, I think that's an important part of it because you have a small group of people that you build a relationship and you're vulnerable with um, that you can bring up these concerns and be a sounding board. For I, I struggled with this with a lot. Um, so when I started really being serious about, okay, I, w- I want to take the Bible and my faith seriously, I was thinking, how, where do I start? Not, I mean, the obvious answer is the Bible, but you, you, as you said, you can't just read it and understand it completely. There's so many things that you have questions about. And what I was concerned about is being colored a specific way. Um, You have all these different faith communities and they all claim to represent Christianity, but they're very different in a lot of ways. There's a lot of similarity, but I wanted to be very careful about where I entered into my learning and and put my trust. Um, and as you said, um, pastoring your church helps quite a bit. Um, and for me, as kind of a person who um, thinks very analytically about things, I wanted to categorize things. Um, and that's not an easy thing to do when you, you know, you pick up a book off of a bookshelf in a, in a library or a in a bookstore and it's kind of like, okay, what's the lens? And you, and you said it, but one thing that Pastor Dave told me is that you'll have different um, ways of looking at the Bible. Um, you can look at it through a lens of sin, um, through a lens of atonement, um, but we look at it through a lens of love. And the way that we filter it is trying to understand, does this reflect Jesus' love, and that's sort of like the filter that we use. So that's that's helped a lot for me. That does Mm -hmm. make a difference. Mm -hmm. Well, one thing also that I think is important to know about is um, context. You know, what what was the writer of the the book that we're reading, where was that going? And um, that that has really helped me, too, to read more than just a verse. Um, And the point was made to me uh, by a, a teacher that I follow on YouTube, but he says, everyone knows John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, et cetera, et cetera. But he says, does anyone know John 3.15 or John 3.17? Mm-hmm. You know, and no, I had to look it up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because um, it just, because, um, you know, that's, that's an important thing. It's, it's in the, you know, we need to know that, but we need to know where it came from and what uh, was mm-hmm. being talked about in that verse in John. Yeah, so it's, it's crucial. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you have to know because it, it takes something like think think about something in a modern context. If you take a quote of a movie, I wish I could think of one off the top of my head. Um, Adrian, there you go. <laughs> well, what does that even you know? What's that mean? Yeah, you don't exactly. know unless you unless know, you the, know story. the movie, unless yeah. you know the context. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so Chris, um, how do you test your understanding of of a Bible passage or or verse? I think similarly to what, what's already been said, um, you know, questioning if I'm applying this in a um, 
personal use way? Is this, is this how I'm, like you said, justifying my actions or, um, you know, do I need a historical context? Do I need to, you know, reference other material or do I need to seek Mm -hmm. the guidance of somebody like a pastor or, um, somebody that, you know, maybe more expertise in it. Um, and then if I'm struggling with something particular, um, really going to a pastor and asking like, you know, what should I be looking for in this and Mm, why, why am I struggling with it? Um, but you know, there's kind of two coins to this. It's, it's others that use the Bible, against for for reasons of hate like you mentioned and how do you deal with somebody that's representing your you and your faith in a in a way that you don't think is you know uh in in line with what the bible teaches um or am i personally using the bible to justify my own sins Mm -hmm. so there's two different kind of coins to that Mm -hmm. um, that you have to kind of look at i think Mm -hmm. for me it's this year has been really um but i've taken the bible seriously in a way that i want to learn more about it um specifically and so so i've been trying to get all the resources whether it's youtube whether it's uh you know time with with my dad um or whether it's just others in in this process for instance um because i'm certainly not an expert but um, through that process, I think you can understand kind of how it's, the Bible's laid out and how, it's, how you can utilize it as a, a force of good. Yeah, and I think we can begin with prayer mm-hmm. um, and ask God to mm. reveal, um, you know, what the meaning of the passage is. Um, and then we can meditate on what we've read. Um, and I think, I think reading frequently, regularly, um, is helpful um, notes, so that to take your notes right yes. your so that you're not um, you're not pulling things out of context mm-hmm. that, you know that you mm-hmm. understand that there's a whole book around this scripture <laughs> exactly. that we're just exactly. thinking about and um, and I also think that um, Sunday school and Bible study is mm-hmm. invaluable for understanding and a quick a quick advertisement. We do have a new adult Sunday school uh, beginning this Sunday on Zoom at 11 a.m. You can grab the Zoom link um, on our the homepage of our website and join in. Um, there's no RSVP. Just grab the Zoom link and come on in 11 o'clock this Sunday, the 20th. I'm um, looking forward to that. That's, yeah. That's real uh, yeah. I, I wish that I didn't work Sunday morning so that mm. I could take this class. It's, it'll be Is it going to be available? Like, is it going to be recorded? Or it anything? will be recorded. Oh, okay, and because we have a worship service at mm. 11 o'clock. And I have so grandkids at 11 o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So it will be available uh, during the week. Mm. Oh, good. That's good to know. As well as the class materials, any PDFs or slide decks or oh, things that the teacher's using. You know, I would say for myself, I might... You know, I might be comfortable enough to make, join a Zoom or something like that if I was feeling things out. You know, we said, like, how, do you, how did you come into the church and get comfortable? I was the tiptoe person. Like, well, I don't want, I'll sit in the back. I don't want to ask any questions, and I'll just feel it out, just right? Com- completely the opposite, <laughs> right? So um, if, I would say if you have these questions and you don't even feel comfortable enough, I mean, send an email to somebody on the website, and we'll a good find idea. an answer yeah. and, yeah. you know— start the relationship that way, mm-hmm. you know, just, I like that. that's, mm-hmm. that's one way to start. I did just get an interesting email off the website, no names involved, but this gentleman asked me how he could be saved. And so oh. I started at the beginning and I went, 
I went yeah. through it, and he, uh, you know, I pray that 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 he went through the yeah, process. that this was yeah. helpful and yeah, yeah. I had some kids uh, from the high school who, you know, after school they come and hang out in our parking lot mm-hmm. before getting picked up. And actually, it might have been even before high school, might have been uh, junior high. But they came in and they asked um, if there was anybody to pray with. Um, so we, we got them set up, but also asked if uh, if we accept gay people. I love Just that. Just straight up asking, yeah. you know. Well, Good. And I was like, yep, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's really you know, important. The, yeah, that, and that could have made the entire difference in somebody's Oh, decision, absolutely, but, especially yeah, a yeah. child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it yeah, exactly. That age, they could have like been that. pushed yeah. away for yeah. years. Yeah. So David goes on and says, in my sermon, I also talk about Romans 1, and specifically Romans 1, 26 through 27, which traditionally has been interpreted as a prohibition against same-sex relationships. I believe using these verses as justification for denouncing same-sex relationships Specifically, two people of the same sex who love each other and want to spend their life together misses the point of the verses and ends up being a proof text to reinforce predetermined beliefs. I know this is a strong statement. I also know not everyone will agree with me. I welcome opportunities to talk with people about what the Bible says regarding this matter. A good place to start is with a few questions. How were you raised to think about same-sex relationships? Has your understanding of same-sex relationships changed? And if so, is there an experience that precipitated the change? Do you believe your experiences impact your understanding of scripture? And that's the hard question. Chris, you want to kick us off here? Well, these are some great questions, obviously specific to same-sex relationships, but this is a great way to kind of start if you're having those questions about Bible verses is, you know, what were I, what was I raised to think about this particular, what are my, what are my thoughts prior to coming to this passage? Um, for me, I have just a lot of friends that happen to be gay. And so I've seen a lot of, um, friendships or friends that had been involved with the church and had either, uh, you know, left the church because of this, uh, this issue or left the church because it affected, um, you know, a family member or a friend in a way that they felt like being an ally to that community was more important than um, their involvement in the church. And um, I think for a while, maybe in high school and college, I wrestled with it. Um, but just going back to, as you were saying, Anne, you know, does this does this compute with the law of love, right? Um, and so... I wouldn't say that there's a specific instance or experience, but just the the generation in which I've grown up with, this question has been, you know, for the last 20 years, been with the church. Um, and I think that the way that I was taught was to love and accept everybody regardless. Um, and so for me, it's an easy question, but I understand that people have a difficulty with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Julie Beth, your take on um, well, again, because I'm old and I've been, you know, through a long experience. My, my father was a police officer, actually, in our city, Charleston, West Virginia, which is actually um, had a lot going on. <laughs> and my parents were also jazz aficionados, and uh, which also prefaces to say that I had gay people in my life 
from the time I was a little girl. I guess a lot of the musicians and a lot of the singers, a lot of the performers. Um, and it just was it just was a normal thing to me. And when I got a little bit older, and again, here I'm going to cry because I'm going to talk about my dad. Um, he said that when he was a, he was a detective um, at this point, when he had been a um, patrolman, he was supposed to go out at night and gather up all the what we, we now call homeless, they used to call winos. I don't know if you ever heard mm. that. Yeah, get all the winos up. And he said how many of those people had been kicked out of their homes mm. because of their sexual orientation, you know, when mm-hmm. they were children. And, of course, you know, there they are. And so what he would do, he would gather them up in the truck, and then he'd just drive around so they could stay warm all night and get mm. a place to sleep. And uh, I guess if they'd known that, he might not have made detective. <laughs> but, <laughs> at any, no, he was, he was very popular and well-loved. But um, it just... It just was always a normal thing to us. And as um, believing Christians, and, you know, again, start with love. That was, my, that was my parents, definitely. Now, I think the older generation, it was almost like a thing of fear, like it was so different. You know, I don't know what to do about it. But it wasn't a thing of hate with them. It was just a, like, I just don't understand it. And uh, to me, that's okay, because that opens a door to understanding. If you don't understand it, then let me explain some things to you. Uh, of course, back in the 50s and 60s, there was no such concept of same-sex marriage. It just wasn't going to happen. And, um, and when I think about that now and all the, you know, the dedication, the lives of people together, you know, they couldn't be on their same insurance policies. I mean, just little things like that. They couldn't visit a loved one in the hospital because they weren't considered a relative. Um, it, was, it was, you know, that, that breaks my heart when I think about it. And, but, you know, thank gosh, time has changed um, so much of that and so many hearts and so many, um, you know, details of life that are important. So that's how I was raised to think about um, same-sex marriage, that it's normal, it's to be accepted, and it is love. It's true love. Mm-hmm. Jacob? I was raised not... It wasn't a, an explicit thing that was said, but it was always sort of like assumed that people are people. And it doesn't matter. A person's a person. And, and the, you know, the only thing I guess close to that is um, I was always taught you always have to, res- even if you don't like somebody, you have to respect them. Um, and which is closely rated. But, I, you know, I never thought anything about like, okay, so pe- people are gay and, and um, that's okay. Um, that was never really in conflict for me with my faith growing up. Um, in fact, I think the first time I, I remember as a senior where I thought that, I, I probably knew that other people thought differently, but where it was right in front of my face was another student who was um, part of another, I, I won't say what de- denomination or, or faith community, but not so tolerant. Um, and he said something, and I, I was like, whoa, that's, people really think that's crazy. Um, I, was, I was taken aback by it. Um, I, I kind of feel like I went through a process where, um, as I was trying to kind of understand what the Bible says literally and what that means both in terms of homosexuality but also just other things, Um, which is probably not the right way to look at it, is that that doesn't make sense to me that, that it would be, that there is a group of people that God would say, sorry, you know, 
Um, and the problem with that mentality is, you know, that's my mentality and that's not God. So it's kind of, you have to be careful, but, but it, it is sort of the law of love is, is that's what's going to come first. And, and there isn't a, if you look at the gospels, it's always the, the outcast, the person who is, um, the outsider who's received first and it's the holy people that are the bad guys a lot of times you know so that's right they're the ones that had to change yeah so Mm -hmm. um you know that's that's helped a lot but Mm -hmm. um i'm i'm really glad that we as a denomination as a society and as a people have come to realize what um the mentality has done to people and and um come to a a different understanding that what has been more traditional Mm -hmm. and my background is much the same as yours where it was just a non-issue so i never i never expected it to be an issue anywhere i went at desert spring it's a non-issue um everyone is welcome Everyone is welcome in f- to fully participate in the life of the church. And like you, Jacob, it's a little, it takes me aback when people really do have a problem with it because I just, it wasn't, mm-hmm. it wasn't mm-hmm. ever an issue. Mm-hmm. So David says he was raised by accepting parents. However, as a college student, I simply accepted what the Bible said at face value. It sounded like it was condemning same-sex relationships, so I accepted that as true. Then I met a female pastor named Nancy, who a few years later came out of the closet. Nancy was a wonderful Christian woman who helped me grow in my faith. Knowing her made me rethink my beliefs. As a student of the Bible, I couldn't just dismiss passages as irrelevant. And as a good Methodist... I believe that any interpretation of scripture that was contrary to the love of law was wrong. It seemed to me as though my initial thoughts about the scriptures were hard to reconcile with love. So I dug into scripture and started reading with a questioning mind. It became clear to me that I had misunderstood what Paul and other scriptures were intending to say. I changed. I changed. The Christian life is a life of change. I have changed in many ways, and I suspect you have as well. Yeah. Moving on, Sunday's sermon was not just about same-sex relationships. It was primarily about Paul's words, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In the sermon, I talk about original sin, using the example of a newborn baby to talk about what original sin means. Thinking of a newborn baby, have you ever struggled with the idea of original sin? Was the way I described original sin, being born into the brokenness of this world where a relationship with God is not a birthright, helpful? So what do you think, Julie? Oh, definitely. That's been a, a term, a concept. I mean, I just never got that. How could a baby? And it does in some among some groups of Christians, that is what it is. The child is born as a sinner, not into sin. And that's a whole different thing. And to the way he explained it about the original sin is that this is where you have landed 
So now you have now we have to, you know, nurture that child and bring that child up the right way. And that made a huge difference to me. I really appreciated that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think, Jacob? You know, I never struggled. I, I never thought I, I never struggled. It's because I never really put a lot of thought into what does that mean? What is original sin and what are the implications? And um, I, I have struggled a lot with um, how when um, Genesis is described as the fall and um, almost like sin is an infection kind of a thing, and that starts getting, I, like, I can't, I have a lot more learning to do in, in that. So I think that his description in the sermon was helpful because um, it isn't the person, it's that the baby itself, it's that the baby's born into a broken world like everybody else. Um I guess I've always focused more on um, we are not yet perfected, um, and it's it's a struggle for everybody to um, understand sin and what um, it means to trust God and make the choices that he would have us make. Um, and when those choices don't line up is when um, brokenness ensues. In, in any relationship. I think that it was very helpful for me um, to think of, you know, a relationship with God is not a birthright. And that kind of struck me the first time that I heard it. Um, and I was like, wow, a relationship with God is not a birthright. No, you have to choose. You have to choose to have a relationship with God. God's always reaching out to you, but you mm -hmm. have to choose to respond um, otherwise you don't have a relationship with God. It's your choice. And I was like, yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, I, I, like Jacob and Chris, it didn't seem central to my faith. So I would come across the idea of original sin and it was easy for me to gloss over it because it's just seems like a peripheral issue to me, like same sex relationships. It's, it's not super central to what I believe. So yeah, let's move on to what I'm struggling with. So, yeah, it just is, it was what it was, right? I would say there's a whole, if I was listening and said, yeah, but <clears throat> there's a whole tip of the iceberg that is what about people who haven't been taught about God or um, have no exposure or what about a baby who dies without being able to make a choice? And, you know, those are all really important issues to kind of consider. Um, one thing that has always been helpful for me, um, particularly after I had kids, was the picture of God as a father and having that sort of um, love towards everyone. Um, again, all means all. Even if I don't like the person, that doesn't mean they're not a child of God. And what, what, and in, in my mind, that only is a small piece of what God must feel for each one of us, and and that takes it back to the law of love. And um, in that case, a newborn baby. I mean, there's no question, right? I mean, sinner or not, it doesn't matter. It's still a child of God. Yeah, and I think that we could do a whole podcast on that idea so. of, you know, what happens to babies that die. They're not going to hell, in my opinion. 
Um, if you can't make a choice, you're not expected to make a choice. Mm-hmm. Um, it, that, to me, that's against the law of love. Um, so there are a lot of nuances, I think, to that conversation. In Romans chapters 1 through 2, Paul makes the case that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. When we think about the mess our world is in, Paul explains that the root of the mess is idolatry that shows itself in lots of ways people sin. He ends the chapters by saying that if idolatry that shows itself in sin is the problem, the solution is the grace of God that comes to us through Jesus Christ. Jesus is the answer. And Jesus taught us to love God with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength and to love our neighbor as ourselves. I encourage us all to hold our beliefs and even biblical interpretations up to the light of Jesus and his law of love. Amen, Amen to that. Yeah, that's, mm-hmm. uh, that's uh, I think, bottom lines it really mm-hmm. well. That's, that's a really good. Yeah. Um, Jesus taught us to love God and to love our neighbors. Mm-hmm. And um, number one, love God. Well, and he says that's the whole of the law. That's it. Yeah. So when people use um, um, an Old Testament verse that just briefly says something about men and briefly says something about tattoos (laughs) and women with cut hair. I mean, I'm just a mess. I'm a wreck here. (laughs) Um, You know, just love, just love, just love each other. Right. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Well, this was... uh, very dense subject. Um, for those of you who would like to read the devotional um, in text form, and if that would be helpful to you, it will be available on the website um, as well as our social media. I want to thank you uh, for listening, for spending your time with us, and I pray that this time has blessed everyone and refreshed us on our faith journey. I want to thank our guests, Julie Beth and Jacob, for sharing part of their faith stories and your thoughts with us. If you're watching the video of this podcast, please know that our audio podcast is available to you through SoundCloud, Apple Music, and Spotify. Let's say a quick prayer in closing, please. Heavenly Father, we struggle uh, with Uh, knowing our faith and we know that um, you gave us minds and you gave us communities and you gave us each other and you gave us the gift of prayer and so we pray that you would help us to work through these issues and uh, as Pastor David says to hold them up in the light of Jesus and to understand Uh, where you are calling us. I thank you for our guests today, and I I ask for your blessings on everyone who will join us uh, throughout this podcast and ask for your blessings upon them as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.